Before we get started, uh, last week it was brought to my attention that I may have offended some folks online. So uh, let, me, let me apologize right now. I, I, look, I cannot apologize for God's Word. I'm not going to apologize for God's Word. If God's Word offends you, that's something you need to deal with between you and God. Okay? But I will apologize today for my sarcasm. <laughs> uh, that, you know, I mean, you can, you can share in a way uh, that's wrong. And I, and I did. Last Sunday I was a little sarcastic, and I apologize for that. Uh, you know, I wasn't sharing my opinion. I was sharing God's Word. Okay? Can we worship anywhere? We can worship anywhere. But look, man, that's an exception to the rule. We go on vacation. There are times when we're sick. There are times when you're not going to be able to be in God's family. Okay? There's times that's going to happen. Okay? Yes, worship wherever you are. But, man, that is no substitute for being here and being engaged, being involved, being discipled, discipling, being, being encouraged, being, being enhanced, being equipped. How can, how can God use your gifts? How can God use your talents? How can, how, can, how can this take place if you're at home consistently, regularly? Guys, it can't. It can't. It can't. You, I'm not telling you to come to freedom. Go, where, go wherever God's leading you. But you need to be engaged, involved. You need to be available. You need to be involved in the body of Christ if you want to grow and be the person that God wants you to be. Okay? Command. We are missing something. We're missing something, okay? And look, if you've got a physical reason you can't be here, I get that. But if you're able, you need to be in the house of God. You know, not just on Sunday, but you need to be engaged. We do life together. We've only been talking about that for three years now. Okay? And look, man, I get it. I've experienced this personally. My mom had dementia. Diagnosed, she had 11, 12 years. The, the last six years of her life, she was confined to the house. She couldn't go. We did our best to worship for her at home. But I'm going to tell you, man, that was not the same as being involved in church. That was not the same as not going to a building. I'm talking about engage with God's people. It is not the same, okay? It's just not. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Man, the day of his return has never been closer than it is right now. That's just one scripture. Look, Ephesians 4, read about the unity in the body of Christ. Here's 4.16. He, Christ, makes the whole body fit together perfectly, listen to this, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Look, when you're missing online, man, I love you. I'm sorry for the sarcasm, but I, I, I'm not sorry. This is God's Word. If you're consistently away from here, then, then how do we come together? How do we make that happen? How do we make this verse happen? You can't. And then, and then look, man, read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 40, 47. Okay? Read that. And, then, and if you don't like that, then go to John 14. I'm sorry, John 15, verse 4 and 5. Jesus said, look, remain in me, I'll remain in you. Remain in me. What is, what is the body of Christ? When, when Paul was kicked off the horse on the way to Damascus, what did Jesus say? 
Remember? He said, hey, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? What was Paul doing? He was going to round up Christians in Damascus. Now, why would Jesus say, if Paul is going to round up Christians in Damascus, then why would Jesus say, why are you persecuting me? Because the body of Christ is Christ. And keep it in context. What were we talking about last Sunday? When you're baptized, you're baptized into Christ, His death and resurrection, but we're also baptized into what? To the body of Christ. Okay? Guys, this is, this is important. We need to get this. Okay? Be mad with me if you want to. I'm sorry for the, the sarcasm. But if you're offended because of God's Word, then you need to get that right with God. Okay? I can't do that for you. So if you're able... You need to be with God's people. You need to be engaged. You need to be involved. You need to be participating. Because you're going to miss out, and we're going to miss out if that's not happening. Okay? Am I passionate about it? You daggone skippy, I'm passionate about it. <laughs> Look, man, this is real. This is serious. This ain't no joke, man. This ain't something we just check off the list of our spiritual to-do, our religiosity. Right? That is word. That's why we're in the book of Genesis. That, that's why we're going through this. Because, look, foundation is everything, isn't it? How many of you guys are builders? How many of you guys work on, on, on how many guys build motorcycles or work on vehicles, work on cars? I know James does. I mean, if the foundation's messed up, what happens? You know, they'll total your whole car if the foundation's messed up. Hello? So if the foundation's not right, <laughs> what are we building? Ben, well, I mean, if the foundation's wrong, what are you going to do? You can't do nothing but tear it down and start all over, right? So that's why we're in Genesis, guys, because this is serious. We need to know. We need to have the right foundation, right? So we've been through 1 and 2, Genesis 1 and 2. God's created everything. He's created the heavens and the earth. He's prepared a perfect environment, a perfect world, a perfect atmosphere, weather, animals, food. Everything is perfect, right? On the sixth day, He creates man. He doesn't just speak him into existence. God, I mean, I picture God. You know, I, I play movies in my mind. Y'all do that? Helps me remember. God, I mean, I picture God getting down on his hands and knees and scooping up some dirt and shaping Adam and making Adam out of the clay, out of the dust. And then breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. Nothing else he did that. He made him in his own image. Okay? No, nothing else. He spoke everything else. But that was man. And then he puts him in the garden, right? He creates a garden, especially for a home, especially for Adam. And, and, and he gives him work to do. Work's not a, you know, it's a four-letter word, but it's not, you know, it's a positive thing, right? He gives him work to do. And Adam, he brings all the animals to Adam to see what Adam's going to name them, right? He gives Adam that responsibility. He gives Adam that authority. He's given us, guys, the authority to rule and reign in, over this domain, over earth. Okay? And then he realizes, you know, of course it didn't sneak up on God, right? God did this for a purpose. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not. You know, when men, when men start to isolate and, and become secluded, we get stupid, don't we? I'm telling you, man, stupid just goes into, I mean, it's nuclear. If you isolate and you seclude yourself, you get isolated for so long, it would just absolutely, it, I mean, it's stupid on steroids. It is. I've been there, done it. Guys, that's another reason we need one another. 
Don't miss that verse, okay? If you're one today that's isolating, if you're one today that's, that's, that's well, whatever reason, you fill in the blank. I don't care what your reason is. Look, isolation is not going to help you. It's not. It's not. That's another reason we need each other. That's another reason you need the body of Christ, especially if you're a follower of Christ. Now, if you're not a follower of Christ, if you don't have God's Spirit in here, well, you've got to get the cart or the horse before the cart, right? Let's get that right. Not good for a man to be alone, so he causes Adam to go into a deep sleep, and he takes one of his ribs and, and some flesh and creates a woman for the man and brings her to Adam, and Adam is overwhelmed. Woo! That's the first thing out of his mouth. It was. Woo, man. It's in the Bible, man. Y'all look it up. That's what he said. This is bone of my bone. That's, this is from, this came out of me? That came out of me? You, God, that's for me? All mine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then there's the first marriage relationship. The first husband and wife. Adam and Eve didn't do that. God did that. Okay? Pause for just a minute. Guys, let's take our marriages. Let's take the marriage vow. Let's take marriage, period, seriously. God did that. We didn't. Okay? If your marriage is not where it needs to be, do what you got to do to get your marriage to a, to a position, to a condition where it honors God. Okay? So this is not a marriage conference. But when I do marriage counseling, I tell couples, look, man, we PM, I PM my motorcycle. Y'all PM y'all's motorcycle? You PM your house? Do you PM your vehicles? Do y'all do any kind of PM? Y'all even know what I'm talking about? <laughs> PM is preventative maintenance. Okay. Preventative maintenance. Do you do preventative maintenance on anything you own? Why do you do preventative maintenance? Because you want to keep it running, right? You want to keep it running. Hey, man, what about your marriage? Are you doing preventative maintenance on your marriage? What? Yeah. Look, man, don't wait till you're separating to go get counseling. Don't wait till you're separating and you're living in separate places to go get help. Start getting help now while everything's good. Do some preventative maintenance now. And those rough times, you're going to slice right through them. Okay? That whole sermon didn't even cost you nothing. <laughs> Look at what happens in the end of verse 2. Genesis 2, 25. Now the man and the wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Shame there is a, is, is a thing for, for sin. Shame is a thing for for like the effects of sin. Y'all ever done something shameful? You know how you felt? Horrible, right? They didn't feel any of that. There was no sin, okay? Perfect relationship with God and each other. Again, no sin. And in verse 1 through 31 is the account of creation. Chapter 2 was just more detail. God says in Genesis 1, 31, Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it's very good. 
Imagine that. This storm that came through was a Category 1 hurricane. Man, that ain't nothing compared to the power of God and the majesty of God. Right? So here we are today in chapter 3. The temptation and the fall of man. Keep in mind, as we're going through chapter 3, this is a perfect world. It's, a per, it's perfect. I can't even wrap my mind around perfection. Can you? I can't, man, because we, we can't fathom that. Right? But just keep that in the back of your mind as we're going through chapter 3. So in verse 1, <clears throat> I'm out in an NIV today. You may have another translation, but I'm in the NIV. It says, now the serpent was more crafty. Now, what does crafty mean? Y'all know what crafty means, right? Shrewd, shrewd, cunning, clever, sly. Y'all know any crafty people? Y'all know any crafty folks? You know, you keep both eyes on them, like, I don't know about that cat, man. Right? Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Now, we, you know, I have a lot of questions when I read God's Word. We don't know how long it was after Adam and Eve were created to when this serpent starts talking to Eve. I, I've, got, I've gotten an opinion that I don't think it was very long after, okay? Have y'all ever been on a mountaintop with God? Have you ever had a, you ever had a God experience? And then what's the next thing that happens? Satan comes along, man, to rock your world, doesn't he? Folks who got baptized. When y'all when y'all were baptized, any of y'all did the next day, I mean it 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 just it felt like pure hell was opened up on you. Did y'all feel that way after you got baptized? So I don't think it's been very long here since Adam and Eve were created that this event took place. It could be, but I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But Satan wastes no time trying to destroy what God has created, right? And then, you know, a talking serpent what the heck? A talking snake? I mean, did animals talk back then? Do we, I mean, we don't know the Bible. The Bible doesn't say, right? I mean, keep in mind, this was before sin, okay? It was a perfect place. Could animals, could God have given animals a gift of speech? He could have. I don't think he did because I think man was created with the gift of language, thought, reason. I, I, don't, I don't think it was. Now, animals can communicate, right? But I don't think they had the same uh, level of language as mankind, right? So where does talking snake come from? Well, now the Bible doesn't say it's Satan, right? I mean, in that section, it doesn't say. So, so where did it come from? Well, I, I, mean, I think it's Satan. I'm pretty confident it's Satan because what's the first thing out of this serpent's mouth? The first thing out of this serpent's mouth is, did God really say? The first thing out of its mouth, not, hey, good morning. Not, wow, you ain't got no clothes on. Not, you know, I mean, no, the first thing out of its mouth is, did God really say? So that's why I believe it's Satan, man. Uh, either Satan entered into and possessed the serpent, or Satan took the form of a serpent, right, to tempt the woman. Uh, now, can Satan do that? You better believe it. Satan was the archangel, and Satan has power too, okay? And I think it's 2 Corinthians 2, 4. It says Satan manifests himself, masquerades like a what? 
angel of light, deceiving many. So yes, Satan can do that. And look, man, Revelation describes Satan as a dragon, the ancient serpent, or serpent of old, right? Uh, there's also an Isaiah and Job we see about that. So again, the first thing out of his mouth, that could be a demon from Satan. We don't know, okay? But we know it's satanic, right? It's satanic. So why does the serpent approach Eve and not Adam? Well, what? Yeah, she's more vulnerable, right? God didn't meet with Eve and give Eve the instruction of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God met with Adam, okay? So Eve is more vulnerable, right? She's more vulnerable to that. Uh, look, Adam was created, designed by God as a warrior, a defender, a protector. He was the leader. He was the leader. He was leading, right? Uh, she was vulnerable. She didn't hear from God. Uh, maybe Adam didn't communicate as effectively as he should have. Okay? Now, that's not a sin, right? I mean, it's not a sin not to communicate. Okay? Hey, see that tree over there? Don't touch that tree. Don't go near that tree. We're not supposed to eat from that tree. You got it? Yes. Maybe that's all that happened, right? We don't know. We're not given all the details on that. But, men, men, we got to communicate better, okay? Men, we're the head of the house. We're the leader of the home. God has put us in charge spiritually. We've got to communicate more effectively, okay? Whatever that may mean. We have to communicate more effectively, okay? I don't care what your wife does. We're responsible, okay, for communicating to our wives and our kids. We are responsible for communicating the Word of God. We are responsible for making sure they understand. Not that they listen. Do you know there's a difference in listening to somebody, hearing somebody, and understanding? Huh? Kelly hears me all the time. Some of y'all catch that later. <laughs> Teach, disciple, communicate effectively. Okay? Now, how are you going to do that if, you, if you're not studying to show thyself approved? You're not. And guys, we've got too many resources today. Okay? There's too many resources today for us to be ignorant of God's Word. Okay? It just There's no excuse there's no excuse for a follower of Christ to be ignorant of God's Word. Okay? There's just none. So here she is. The woman says to the serpent, We may eat fruit from any tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now here's the first problem. Eve is listening to a serpent that's talking to her. Okay? That, that, that's your first problem. Eve's listening to this talking serpent, right? I mean, to, to, as far as I know, no, no other animals are talking. That should have been a... That snake just said something to me. Adam! Really? I mean, it should have been. That, that should have been a timeout right there, right? And look, when you hear somebody or something, quest, listen to me. Y'all listen to me? All, listen. When you hear someone or something... Question the integrity and the character of God. That needs to raise a red flag. 
That's when you need to go, whoa, wait a minute, what did you say? If the character and integrity of God is questioned, that, hey, because what is he trying to do? He's trying to establish doubt, trying to create, establish doubt and distrust. You realize that? If Satan can get me to doubt God, if Satan can get me to doubt the character and integrity of God, he can get me to distrust God. And then we just get completely stupid. Don't listen to that. Look, Proverbs 23, 9. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. There's a difference in listening, hearing, and understanding. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Mm. Proverbs 14, 7. Stay away from a foolish person. You will gain no knowledge from his speech. Proverbs 26, 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. What were we just talking about? Foolishness, right? They cannot understand them because they are discerned only through what? The Holy Spirit of God. Here's the second problem. First, she's listening, but the second problem, what she start to do? She's having a conversation with this talking serpent. I mean, it's one thing I start listening to what you got to say, but then I engage in the conversation, right? She responds, and then, you know, she's missing some details, right? She calls it the tree, right? Hey, that tree in the middle of the garden, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to eat from it, and we're not supposed to touch it, or you're going to die. Now, here, I, I think genuinely, I think Eve, you know, sometimes we do that, don't we? If you're not supposed to do something, you ever do that with your kids? If you're not supposed to do something, you add more to the story than we need to add to the story? Huh? That's what she did. We're not supposed to eat from it. You're not even supposed to touch it or you're going to die. Now, God didn't say that. Now, look, man, we need to be careful here. We need to be careful that we don't subtract from or add to God's Word because, see, when we start doing that, do you know we're playing right into Satan's trap? We're playing right into Satan's hand when we start adding to, we start distorting God's Word. Now, she really didn't do a whole lot to distort God's Word. I mean, she was right. She just added, don't touch it, okay? But, man, it just plays right in. It just, you know, it, it opens the doors. Okay, Satan, here you go, doors open. So let's be careful that we do that, right? And, and Satan, man, he, he's just a punk, isn't he? I mean, first of all, he calls God a liar. I mean, right out from Jump Street. Did God really say, so the first thing he does, man, you will not die. You're not going to die. God doesn't want you to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Your eyes are going to be open. Now, notice how partial truth is mixed in with some of this. God knows how your eyes are going to be open. Now, that's true, right? You'll know the truth. That's true. But look, man, Adam and Eve were not equipped to handle. Adam and Eve were not equipped to handle everything that God handles. Do you know we're in the same boat? We're not equipped to handle all that God has, okay? If we knew everything that God knew and we saw things the way God saw things, guys, it would probably scare us to death. Because we, we can't handle it. 
We're not equipped to handle it. God put restrictions in place. You know, God's withholding something from you. Now, that was true. God was withholding, right? Y'all got kids? Did y'all ever withhold stuff from your kids? Huh? I mean, how many of you let them drive at three years old? Huh? I mean, that's just kind of stupid, isn't it? You, so, I mean, we protect our kids by withholding certain things, right? That's what God does with us. God puts restrictions in place not to keep something from us, but guys, to protect us. So if God hasn't given you, if God hasn't given you uh, some knowledge about something right now, or God hasn't opened some doors for you, maybe God's protecting you, okay? And you've got to think about it that way. Look, if we don't think about it that way, then what are we doing? We're doubting and distrusting God's character and His integrity. And I'm going to stop right here for a minute. Having questions isn't bad, okay? Don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I got all kinds of questions, okay? So I got 250 channels on up here, okay? They're all going at the same time, okay? And I got questions. I read stuff, man. I was like, wow, what, what, what happened here? Well, what, what did this happen? Well, what happened here? And I can go on website. Gotquestions.org is a great website to answer questions, okay? And it, and, it, and it leads you to God's Word. It leads you to articles. It leads you to books you can read. It leads you to more questions. That's just a horrible thing because you can spend like four or five hours on that thing, you know, just, just looking at questions and trying to learn, trying to understand. So, so having questions is not a bad thing, okay? But when we start arguing with foolish people, Notice the key word there, arguing. The Bible says, "Don't man, look, don't be arguing, okay? If, if folks want to have an intelligent conversation about something, about God's Word or about spiritual things, then let's, let's have an intelligent conversation, okay? Man, I've talked to atheists, but we had an intelligent conversation. Man, why do you believe, why do you believe that stuff? Well, let me tell you what I believe. Let me, tell you why, let me tell you why I believe it. Here's why I believe it's true. And we have an intelligent conversation. And that person didn't, you know, they didn't act all foolish. They, they listened. And then I listened to their point of view. Okay? So I'm, I'm not saying not to have questions. But when we start to doubt God, we start to doubt and distrust God's character and, and, and the integrity of God. Man, that's, that's Satan. When the woman, verse 6, 3 through 6 here, or chapter 3, verse 6, when the woman sees that the fruit is good, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it also. Number one, two sides to temptation, isn't there? There's always two sides to temptation. And look, temptation is not a sin. Every one of us are going to be tempted today. Okay? Some of us multiple times. Okay? So temptation itself is not a sin, right? But here's the thing, man. You've got to understand. There's two, it's like a coin with two sides. That first side is temptation almost always starts with some kind of question or something to challenge the character and integrity of God, to get you to distrust God, to get you to doubt God, okay? So that's your first red flag. And here's the other side of that coin, Okay? The other side of that coin is that temptation is going to appeal to three areas of your life. The lust of the flesh, what can satisfy me physically, right? The lust of the eyes, 
and the pride of life. Notice, notice what she said here, or notice what it says here in verse 6. She saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh. It would satisfy her physical appetite. They had every other tree in the garden. She could have walked to any other tree in the garden and satisfied her physical appetite. But she, why did she take that fruit? Go back to side one of temptation. Satan had planted doubt and distrust in her mind about the character and integrity of God. Okay? And then she saw it was pleasing to the eye. Oh man, this is going to satisfy me. How many of us have just gotten pure stupid thinking something's going to satisfy us? Huh? Looks good. Why do you think commercials look like they do? Why do you think magazine ads look like they do? And then she saw it was desirable for wisdom, the pride of life, right? Things of the world, things we think will exalt us, make us become godlike instead of, instead of a servant and slave of God. No, I become God. My kingdom as opposed to God's kingdom. See, John, I'm sorry, 1 John 2, 15 and 17 says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. What is the world? The world is a system, guys. The world is a system. It's a satanic system. Who, who's, who's the prince of this world? Satan. Jesus said that. When Jesus was tempted in Matthew, I think it's chapter 4, he was tempted. Satan offered him all the kingdoms of the world if he would just jump down from a high point. I think it was at the temple. He so, said, hey, just jump down. You know, the angels, man, they're going to catch you. Just jump down. Worship me. He said, man, get away from me. Jesus didn't rebuke him for saying he owned everything because he does. Everything here belongs to Satan. Man, we've got to be careful. We've got to be so careful. She eats the fruit, and she gives some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, I looked this up, and I thought, man, was that Jack Leg standing right there listening to all this stuff? I mean, was he standing right there watching everything that was going? Man, too sure he won't stand in there watching everything, listening to this, and did nothing. And some Jewish interpretations uh, take that phrase, who was with her, to mean he was. He was right there. He was engaged. He was involved. He knew everything that was happening. He did not, did not do, he did nothing. Just did nothing. And then some interpret it to mean Adam was there, but was not engaged, okay? Now, we've been here since what? 8 o'clock, 8.30 this morning, 9 o'clock? Have you been involved in every conversation that's been, on, that's been in the church today? No, we haven't, right? We're here, but we haven't been involved in every conversation, right? So some interpret it to be that, okay? So was Adam engaged, or was he just there 
and not engage. Man, we don't know, right? We don't know the level of involvement, but here's what we do know. Eve was deceived. Eve was deceived, misled, misinformed, and tempted to disobey God. And she did. Then she gave some to her husband. Whether she went to go find him or whether he happened to be there is beside the point, isn't it? She gives some to her husband. Adam was not deceived. Adam was not misled, misinformed. I don't even believe he was tempted. His wife gives him the fruit and he ate it. Here's the sad thing. Adam had a choice. Eve was deceived and misled. Eve was fooled and tricked. Adam wasn't tricked. Adam chose to do that. Adam chose, basically chose his wife over God. Adam knew full well what he was doing because God had talked to him about it. See, Adam didn't just hear God. Adam understood what God wanted him to do, right? In Romans chapter 5, when we went through Romans, remember that part where Paul was talking about Adam? Adam was, the first Adam was disobedient. That's who he's talking about, Adam. But Christ was the second Adam. He was obedient. In verse uh, 12 of chapter 5, it says, look, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. I don't understand. Adam was the leader. Adam was the head. I don't understand why God said when Adam ate. I think it's because Adam chose. Okay, Eve was misled and deceived. But Adam chose. So sin has entered into all mankind because there are great, 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 how many? Right? Grandparents. And in verse 7 it says, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. That's a scary place to be in. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, in Psalm 104 too, it talks about God being wrapped God wraps himself in light as a robe, Psalm 104.2. And I wonder if before you know, Adam and Eve were naked, I, I, wonder, I wonder if they had part of the light of God as a, as, a, as a covering. And then once they sinned, once Adam and Eve ate and they sinned, that light was removed. And their eyes were open. And now they were, they, 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 for the first time, imagine this, man, for the first time, they feel shame. They feel guilt. They, they just, they feel, y'all ever done something stupid? I mean, just, I mean, I'm talking about stupid. You know the guilt? That, imagine right now, we're going to play, we're going to play your life right here. We're going to show everything you've ever done right here. Can you imagine the shame and the guilt we would feel if our church family, and we're going to put it, we're going to broadcast it online, everybody in the world can see it. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that we would have if everybody saw our stupidity? Huh? Man, that's where they're at. 
Their eyes are open. They, they understand now their rebellion and disobedience to God. And all of a sudden, something's wrong. All of, all of a sudden, there's this feeling in me. Did you feel that, Eve? Yeah. There's something in them for the first time they've never felt before. A sin nature. It's not of God. That light, I think, that was covering them. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know. It's gone. They realize they're naked. They're embarrassed. They feel guilty. Then they go sew fig leaves together, which I just don't make no sense. Y'all ever felt of a fig leaf? Huh? Oh, man, that'd drive you crazy if you had a, a suit of fig leaves on. But I, 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 think that's, I think it's interesting that they went and sewed fig leaves as prickly and, and, and as horrible as they are. Because when we try to cover ourselves, it's like a fig leaf. It never feels right. It never fits right. It's all prickly. It's never comfortable. And notice what they do, man. They don't run to God, do they? They try to cover themselves. They don't run to God. They try to cover themselves. They try to cover that sin nature. We do the same thing, don't we? See, that's what the sin nature does. Because remember... Satan has tricked them or tricked Eve and Adam chose, you'll be like God. Well, I can handle it. I got this. You okay, man? I got it. Yeah, I'm good. That's that sin nature trying to take care of things. That's the sin nature trying to cover, right? Even our sin. We don't want to run to God. I'll take care of it. We don't run to God. I'll just go to church and I'll, I'll say a prayer, I'll sign a card. I go to celebrate recovery, and uh, man, I've been going to celebrate recovery for the last 10 years, and okay, that's great, but that's you trying to fix it through some ministry. Don't we do that? Instead of running to God and letting God fix it, because He's the only one that can, right? We try to fix it ourselves. And we've created this form of religion all over the world, haven't we? Think about all the religions in the world. It's, it's man trying to fix it. And there's only one where, where God said, no, I can fix it. I'm going to send my son down there. He's going to die for you. He's going to be raised on, on, on the third day, and he's going to fix it. And all you got to do is say yes to him. That'll fix it. See, that's the only answer there is, guys. But so many of us sitting here in church and so many of us are worshiping, so many of us are still trying to fix it ourselves, and you can't. It's impossible for you to fix it. Well, look, we try to fix it with relationships, don't we? Family, friends, extramarital affairs. I mean, we jump from relationship to relationship trying to fix it. Or wrong relationships to try to fix it. Fig leaves. Education, knowledge. Fig leaves. Accomplishment, work. I was a workaholic. I still struggle with that. Fig leaves. Money. Oh, money. Money, power, success. People just notice me. 
fig leaves, right? Materialism. Ooh, if I could just get more stuff. Fig leaves. Hey, serving, giving, doing good deeds apart from Jesus Christ. Fig leaves. Man, there's nothing in this world. Nothing in this world is going to cover us and satisfy the sin, the shame, the guilt, the hopelessness that we deal with apart from Jesus Christ. See, God provided a way. I can't. I, I, I got to. I got to add this last part in here because I couldn't leave you there. It'd just be wrong for a pastor to leave somebody there. Okay. See, God provided a way, guys. God provided a way. Jesus is God's sacrifice. We're going to take communion today. Jesus is God's sacrifice. Jesus is the answer to cover you. And, and, and in Christ, when I put Christ on, when I say yes to him and I put him on, remember the sacrifices in, in, in the Hebrew, you know, the Old, Old Testament sacrifices where they killed the, the, the lamb on the altar and the blood ran all over the altar? The blood covered the altar. Guess what? Jesus' blood, when you say yes to him, it covers this. Jesus covers this. When God looks at me, he don't see me. He don't see stupid JD. He sees Jesus. He sees the blood of Christ that's covered me. But only if I've said yes to him. Not by going to church in some religious activity, guys. You got to say yes to Christ. You got to say yes to that. And look, a lot of people can't get past this. Yeah, but I do, and I've done, and I'm doing, and I look, man, who was offended? Who was offended in the garden? Come on, help me. Who was offended? Who, had, who did Adam and Eve disobey and offend? God. So who determines what satisfies the offense? If Jerry was offended this morning by me, then why would I go to Alan Jackson to ask for forgiveness? Why would I go to Dave? Why would I go to, to John? Why would I go to Rick and say, hey, man, what can I do to, to get Jerry to forgive me? Well, dummy, why don't you go ask Jerry? So why are we going everywhere in the world but to God? Why don't we go to God and say, God, what, what would forgive the offense? God, what can I do to be made right with you? That's a great question. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Bam. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace, what is grace? Man, grace has given you something that you don't deserve. It's given us something we don't deserve, right? For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Romans 6, 23. The payment for sin is death, but God gives us the free gift of life forever in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 John 2, 2. He himself, meaning Christ, is the sacrifice that atones. What's atone mean? It means make right, pay for, make restitution. He atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. 
God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that what? The world would be saved through him. And then Jesus himself said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. What kind of fig leaves have we got on this morning? How, how have you been trying to cover yourself today? We all do, don't we? We don't want to admit we do, but we do. Let me ask right now, would you be willing today to take your fig leaves off? Just rip them off. Rip the fig leaves off and say, Jesus, here I am. I'm naked before you today, and I confess my sin. I confess I've been trying to cover stuff in my life. I've been trying to co- I've been trying to do stuff that only you can do, and that's just it's just wrong. Would you do that today? We're going to take communion. We'll start here with these two rows and go get your bread and it's all one pack. Get it. Go back to your seat. Okay. But before we do that. We need to spend a little time in prayer. But see, it don't make no sense, man. Paul said to examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith, right? See, if we're constantly trying to cover ourselves, then there's a problem. Man, we need to be serious before God, and we need to ask Him. Because, man, if we're, if we're not asking God to take care of the spiritual things in our life, then we're taking communion in vain. Did y'all know that? And look, man, communion don't save you. I don't care what kind of religious background you have communion does not save you communion is an act of worship okay communion is saying hey i'm worshiping today i'm remembering today what jesus did that jesus is the only covering that i i need that's what communion is okay psalm 139 23 24 god listen to this verse god examine me and know my heart look at this next word Test me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any bad thing in me. And then it says, lead me on the road to everlasting life. Are you willing to say yes this morning? Would you say yes to taking off the fig leaves and letting Jesus cover you today? Man, maybe you, maybe you got saved 100 years ago. But you're letting ministry be your covering. Attendance, showing up, has been your covering. No, that's wrong. Jesus needs to be your covering. If there's anything covering you today except Jesus Christ and Christ alone, take them fig leaves off today. Guys, that's the only thing that's going to make us right with Him. And apart from that, we're going to be miserable. I'm going to pray. As I pray, man, search your heart. And, and you know, and maybe, maybe during this prayer, God doesn't, God doesn't do anything, and, and that's okay. But, man, Bill and I are here. Call somebody. If, if God's dealing with you about removing some fig leaves and you need help, okay, we, we want to help you. I want, I want you to be 
Man, I want you to be covered by Christ. I want you to be covered by Jesus. Okay? So I, I realize some things are deeper than just the response time at freedom. But today's a start. Every race takes place with what? A first step. Okay? And it's not how we start. It's how we finish, guys. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now. Forgive us for our rebellion. Forgive us for our disobedience. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to cover ourselves when you, you've already revealed to us that you're the only covering that's acceptable. Father, right now, before we take communion, reveal those fig leaves in our life. Whatever it may be. What am I trying to do to satisfy that sinful nature? To make things right with you. Help us to turn from that, Lord, and turn to you. And Father, right now we recognize, we acknowledge that you've provided the only covering that will satisfy. The only covering that will conquer that sinful nature in us. And Lord, we praise you, we thank you for the gift of Jesus right now and the opportunity to be restored with him or with you through him. Help us, Lord, to get past our pride, to humble ourselves so we can be restored and be the people that you want us to be. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Nothing he ain't seen before. For all your sin, all your sorrow, and your sadness, there's a savior, and he calls. Bring it all to the table. 